Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I mean, the, the real the real stat of all these that jumps out, and this is again from Tim, um, their bench a year ago, and I realize it's a nerd number, but it, it it's useful. Nerd it up. Their total win shares of the eight pure bench guys last year, 23 wins, which right. is a pretty good win number. For a bench? Hell yeah, it yeah. is. This year it's 11, which is not a good number. So why would any of those guys have trade debt value or become desirable pieces to put in your lineup more often? I mean, that, 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 that's, that's the giveaway, that, that this is not about effort or coaching or anything other than it's not a very good roster. It's not a helpful roster. They they've won because their veterans have been good. Um, they've gotten some help from Kaminga. They've gotten you know some help from Poole, although I don't think that he's been you know brilliant for them. I mean he's sort of starting to carve out a career that's going to look like Monte Ellis's. But for the most part, everything they have is from the guys that they've had in years past. That the second track of the two-track timeline is doesn't have a car on it. So that's pretty much it. You can boil it down a hundred different ways, but what they've got here is half a team, which means they're getting half the results that they thought they would. And the half that you got until Steph got hurt has been pretty damn good. Completely undercut by how bad the second half of the roster has been. Somebody says, I bet you could get a lot for Draymond. I'm sure there are a few real contenders that would love to have him for a few years. But here's the deal. There is no having him for a few years. Draymond's got an opt-out this summer. And you can, if you fancy yourself a contender the rest of the way this year, you're probably fancying yourself a contender going forward which means you're not about to give up assets to bring in Draymond now when he might hit the open market just because he wants to this offseason and every indication is that Draymond sees the writing on the wall here and knows that the Warriors are planning a future probably without him so he seems like the kind of guy who's going to be proactive enough to hitch his wagon to a contender that might come in under Warrior current value but will extend him another two, three years. Or they trade him. Offseason comes. He decides to opt back into Golden State, which means you gave up assets to the team that you traded this rental for. I, I, don't, think, I don't think Green is tradable for that reason alone. 
It's just you can't guarantee that you're going to have the team that he wants to play for. I mean, it's more likely that he'll want to play for the Warriors than the team that he goes to. Let's put it this way. That put it that way. So it's that's not you're right. There's no there's no upside in trading for Draymond Green unless you get him to agree to an extension now. Right. And why would he do that? Why would you do that? He just it it, it would be bad for business. Which is a big reason why Kyrie is out of Brooklyn. They offered him a contract extension that didn't match the years, and Ray was incentive-laden. Now, there aren't a lot of incentive-laden contracts in the NBA. And I don't know if he had an agent that was like a real, actual agent, not his mom, representing this, that they would have even turned around with that sort of an offer, or maybe that's the position he's put himself in. You know, Kyrie is such a headache, malcontent, can't count on to be here for whatever reason. We've got to incentivize you to basically report for duty on nights we're playing basketball games. No, it's not even it's not even about who his agent is. It's this is this is you are. No, no, no. Not you, but Kyrie. No, but no. What I'm saying is it's really about the fact that. He has missed half of the Nets games for non-injury reasons, including the, the, the COVID thing, including the suspension, including the, the, you know, the hundreds of things that go on that distract him from what an employer would want him to be, which is present. And so I think when, when they decided, no, if we don't get the four-year max, then I want out. I mean, that's a business decision, but it's a business decision that cuts both ways. Because if they hadn't been able to trade him to Dallas, I could easily have seen them just say, well, you're not playing here anymore. We'll have to pay you because your contract says so, but you won't dress again. I think that's how frustrated and angry the Nets were with him. Even though, I mean, everybody said he was a great teammate, the players, his teammates liked him. The front office reached full fed up and when they did when they announced before this deal that we're not planning to play him you know going forward i mean they were telling them you know i mean i'm surprised they got the offer they got based on the fact that they had publicly taken out all their leverage you said well you're not playing for us anymore i mean you're not you may not play for anybody else but i know two teams you're not playing for and that's us and the lakers and the fact that, you know, Mark Cuban jumped in with both feet and said, I got to fix the hamster wheel that we're on. I mean, because that's a huge roll of the dice, too. It is. And, and somebody here from the 650 on the Xfinity mobile text line says, hey, uh, speak on the fact that Mark Cuban has never been able to land a big fish in free agency. I mean, that's part of this trade. Without a doubt, there is no player of Kyrie's ilk, even with all of Kyrie's baggage, that is choosing the Dallas Mavericks in free agency, which is stunning because you do have a well-run, respected organization in a tax-free state. You'd think that the Dallas Mavericks would be able to land a bigger fish in free agency than they have over the last few years, but it hasn't happened, which I think is part of the reason why Steve Kerr, who is pondering, not Steve Kerr, but excuse me, Mark Cuban, who's looking at Lucas thinking, 
Like, if I don't offer him a real teammate of circumstance to play with, and if the only way I can bring one in is with all the headache and baggage that Kyrie comes in, I got to take that shot because at some point, Luca's going to look tur- turn around in his own locker room and say, this locker room sucks. I'm out of here in free agency. Like, it's, it's a big, bold move from Mark Cuban that is either going to work very well, a little, or not at all. <laughs> I mean, there's, there, there's, I'd say there's no in-between, but I guess there's a little bit of an in-between there. But it, it's, it's a gamble that Cuban decided it's worth taking. And you can't really question what Mark Cuban thinks about basketball because he went to Indiana University and all they did over the weekend was beat the number one team in the country, everyone. You're welcome. Why Purdue is still number one in the country, I do not know, but let them have it. It's as close to a championship as they'll ever get. Go Hoosiers, Ray. Go Hoosiers! That was the worst segue ever produced, not just by you. Big win. But by anybody who's ever spoken. Big, big win. Cuban, it all makes sense. Go Hoosiers. We were talking about the Dallas Mavericks, who have next to nothing to do with Indiana, except for the owner. Who went to Indiana. And who who traded for his fortune to listen to Don Fisher do Indiana games. Well, that's a guy who doesn't have enough hobbies. Well, he didn't at the time. He wasn't a billionaire, but now he no. is. But his his one big trade, the one the one big swing that he's taken, was the Chris Stapps Porzingis deal, right. which worked out so well that Porzingis is now in Washington, and he'll be here a little bit later this week when the uh, Washington Wizards get to town. But yeah. tonight it's but, the Oklahoma City Thunder, yeah, who just put a hundred hundred and half on Houston over the weekend. We got uh, Tim Legler joining us next. We're going to get into. Everything at the trade deadline, what the Warriors are looking at, what the Nets now look like. Could Kevin Durant be moved by this Thursday? If so, where? we got a lot of things to get into legs with. And he joins us next here on 95.7 The Game. Warriors Live starts at 6 o'clock tonight. Brought to you by Xfinity. Supercharge your home, your supersonic Wi-Fi, unbeatable internet only from Xfinity. Damon and Ratto brought to you by Bud Light. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. It is a Monster Monday brought to you by Boxer and Gerson, Northern California's premier workers' comp law firm, helping injured workers get their lives back for over 40 years. Remember, all of our guests join us on the Bud Light guest line. Bud Light, easy to drink, easy to enjoy, as is ESPN's Tim Legler. Nice enough to join us here on the Bud Light guest line. Tim, thank you very much. Damon and Ratto with you this afternoon. It's a pleasure to have you on. Uh, thank you for joining us today. As you look at the Golden State Warriors, even knowing that Steph Curry is going to miss the next handful of weeks due to this knee injury, do you think that they are going to change whatever they might have done here at the trade deadline they really can't do much when you look at all the assets they've put on the table to get deals done over the years uh do you think curry's injury changes their approach at all um i don't think it's going to be ultimately because of what you just said their handcuffs to a certain extent um they don't have a lot of flexibility with what they actually can do and i think you know, their thinking is going to be because everybody is so tightly packed together in the west if they can just somehow somehow hold their head above water and play close to 500 basketball while he's out, then you get him back for the stretch run. And look, one thing that happens after guys do have these types of injuries, they come back with fresh legs. We've seen it time and time again. Steph Curry's gone through this before himself, coming back at the right time of year, and you get this rest where you're not you're not pounding every night, and it's amazing the kind of adrenaline you can put to the table for a stretch run and, and be somewhere so you avoid the play-in and give yourself a realistic shot to come out of the West because I just don't think... They believe anybody has really separated themselves out there that they couldn't beat in a seven-game series. So I don't think they're going to overreact or panic because of this. So there's no doubt the best friend of the Golden State Warriors has been a completely middling Western Conference the entire way so far. But when your own naked eyes hit this basketball team, Tim, do your eyes tell you that they can honestly really contend for an NBA championship or just contend in a playoff appearance? No, I think they can contend in the Western Conference. I believe it. Um, obviously, defensive numbers have been pretty alarming. I'm much more concerned about that than anything else offensively. I think, that, to me, getting Clay Thompson back close to the level he was at, you know, at his peak, which which he has been now for for over a month, 
a great sign for them. That, to me, was the key indicator if they were going to have a chance. Because if he was co- going to continue to struggle, be inconsistent, or just you know some nights really, really play poorly the way he did for stretches this year, I just didn't see how they could possibly generate enough to come out of the West considering you know it's, it's more difficult to guard people than ever, so you have to outscore them some nights. Uh, that's not the case. I think he looks great, and that, to me, is much more important than, than some of these other issues that I think I can attribute to really a monotony of the regular season for a team that's been to six finals. They don't think there's a pressing urgency for a team that's had this many two-month extra runs at the end of the season. So uh, you're going to see that urgency kick in when it needs to. I'm not saying, look, I'm not predicting they're going to win it all. I did before the year. I said they'd repeat. That obviously is, is a much tougher prediction to stick with. But I'm not ready to bail on them and say this team's going to be, you know, out of the play-in or they're going to be, you know, eliminated for a round by a Denver or a Memphis or, you know, a Sacramento, whoever they end up getting in the first round. I, I just don't think that that's reasonable to think that they have no chance to win that series. And if they win the series, now you've got a serious threat on your hands. Um, you, you alluded to it earlier, which was that the Western Conference after the Kings is essentially a hot mess separated by two games from top to nearly bottom. Does the Kyrie Irving deal put Dallas out of that group and into that group of the top three, which would become four, or does it really materially affect where they, you know, whether they get out of that mess or not? I mean, do they become dramatically better or just dramatically different? I think based on the reaction today, and I was on the air all day on all the different platforms, you know, with ESPN, talk about just a lot of different people and debating it. I think I'm more skeptical than some other people um, that this is going to ultimately work out for Dallas and, and be more than a team that's eliminated in the first round because I think that's where they're headed. Kyrie Irving addresses, you know, the glaring hole of lack of offense when Luka's out of the game. Uh, because he dominates the ball to such an extent when he's in there and they lost Galen Brunson, they have no way to generate offense if he's not on the floor. And the numbers are really incredible, the difference between the offensive rating when he's on the quarter off. Um, so they, they, they press that. Now they can always have one star scorer on the floor at all times. So that, that helps. I'm more worried about what happens when they play together and the extent to which Luka dominates the ball and how exactly that's going to affect Kyrie Irving and his ability to get rid of and vice versa. Luka doesn't give the ball up early like LeBron did when he played with LeBron and Kyrie. And Luka holds the ball deep into the clock. And when he passes it, he expects a shot to be taken, whether it's a three or a lob, a pocket pass. It's not like he's giving it up early in the clock and letting guys go. Um, that's not the way he plays, and I think that's going to affect Kyrie. So I'm not quite ready to go there yet. They'll be better offensively. They'll be significantly worse defensively uh, with those two guys on the court together. And and I think all that's going to add up to eventually a first-round playoff loss. But, look, without having seen him play one game, it's sort of premature to predict anything. i got to see it for a month. Tim Legler from ESPN here on 95.7 The Game. It's great to have him on. We're just kind of resetting his phone line there since it's a touch garbled. And he doesn't have much time for us today because, as he said, he's going through the ESPN car wash where he's basically appearing on every channel, every outlet that they actually have. Uh, do we have Tim back? I believe we do. Before we let you go, because I know you got a busy afternoon in front of you, uh, what do you think of Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets right now? Do you think that in some ways KD is relieved that this chapter is over with? Is he angry that he's stuck held, you know, holding the bag kind of on his own? Or is he looking around this locker room and thinking, this might actually be better than when Kyrie was here? 
Yeah, I think right now he's probably there's no question it has to be a sense of relief um, of not having to deal with this on a on a you know periodic basis in the time the three and a half years they've been together because it's been nonstop drama, and I'm sure there's a sense of relief there for him with that. Um, now he's going to enjoy the guys they got back, and I think it's going to be a situation where he's going to it's his team when he comes back. They've added some really really good impactful role players. Uh, they're going to be better defensively than they were before. Um, they're going to build their offense obviously completely around him, but I do think ultimately he's going to look at the top of the East and realize they're not going to be able to contend now with Philly, Boston, Milwaukee. They're not on that level, and I think when you look at the way Kyrie played over the last month, it was the best stretch he had as a net. It was He looked engaged. He looked locked in. He looked committed to the team and thought about his teammates for once, like being accountable to them. And when KD comes back, man, this, this team actually could win the Eastern Conference. So you go from that on Thursday thinking that to here we are on Monday, and I think Kevin Durant's going to find out when he comes back they don't have a chance to win the Eastern Conference, and that's going to lead probably to something else happening over the summer. Um, this is an oddball question given the history of the last decade and a half, but how real is Sacramento? As a as a Western Conference contender, I mean they're they're going to make the playoffs. They right now it's pretty safe to say they're probably going to win the division. But how deep do they look to you to to get to a conference final or maybe maybe even cheat the Reaper and get to a final? Yeah, look, they're they're they've been I think maybe the best story team wise in the NBA this year. Uh, they are so far ahead of what I thought their ceiling was. With this group, give Mike Brown all the credit in the world, um, and, and, and Sabonis as well, for the impact that he's had. Darren Aaron Fox has had a great year. They're just a fun team. They put up big numbers. They, they get great contributions from the supporting cast around those two guys every night. Here's, the, here's, here's, where, here's where it's not such a great thing for them um, looking ahead to the playoffs. you got three teams that are lurking right now. It's sort of like below the Mendoza line. When you look at Golden State, you look at Dallas, and you look at the Clippers. Okay, where Kawhi Leonard is starting to find his rhythm, and he's putting up numbers every night. And if those guys could ever stay healthy together, you know, if you're the Kings, and you potentially end up with one of those teams in the first round of the playoffs, assuming Golden State is healthy, the Clippers are healthy, and Dallas is healthy, I don't know anybody out there that's going to predict the Kings to win the series. And that's why all of this, hey, look, it's a good team, it's a good story. Unfortunately for them, you've got some teams that have underachieved that I think could have great finishes, could make Sacramento first round out. Tim Legler, in a world of hot air, you're a cool breeze, man. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure. I appreciate it, gentlemen. Anytime. There he is. Again, nobody on the tax line likes anything. But as soon as I said Tim Legler's coming on, there's an overwhelming amount of, I like Tim Legler. In a world of screamers, he's not one. You're right. He's an actual analyst. He is not a hot take artist. He's just here to talk basketball. I like Tim Legler an awful lot. I wish we had a better phone line for Tim Legler and a little bit more time with him. But say lovey. I'm a little bitter about the phone line. In fact, I'm angry at him. He should have bought a new phone for us. I'm guessing he's somewhere where he could have made it to a landline, but you know. I'm guessing he's probably in a hallway at ESPN. Beggars can't be choosers. Yeah, well, that means you go into somebody's cubicle and you say, "I gotta, I gotta, I gotta make a call." I bet they don't have landlines there anymore. Oh no, they do. They they got them. I'm sure of it. I used to work there. There were a lot of phones. How was the last time you were there? Uh, the last time I was walking around ESPN's campus. 
2005-ish, but yeah, they... A mere 18 years ago. Nothing's happened in technology since then. They still got phones. They I, definitely still have phones. A broadcasting they, company still has landlines. I bet they probably have given everybody... Uh, ESPN the phone? No, oh, this uh, didn't work. They pr they probably cut a deal with Nokia or somebody. I wouldn't put it past them. Anyways, thanks very much to Tim Langler. Appreciate them coming on. We I were, mean, it, it's... Yeah. It was interesting that he said he was skeptical about Dallas's uh, prognosis from here to the end of the year, and yet then put them in the group of three teams that could suddenly make a run and and be a factor in the play. I mean, well, that's the gamble that Cuban took. I mean, think about it. Their outcomes are anywhere from adding Kyrie Irving is going to disable your franchise in a way that you can't even fathom or measure yet, and buyer beware. Or he is going to be the catalyst that actually awakens some best version of them. And who knows? Maybe they are back in the Western Conference Finals. The, the degree of varying outcomes is as extreme as any angle on the protractor gets. I mean, maybe what we're about to learn is that while having Kyrie Irving is a regal pain in the ass, getting rid of him is such a relief that all of a sudden your team gets better. The Boston Celtics. Maybe now the Nets. Maybe that's the lure of Kyrie. Let's get him so we can get rid of him as quickly as possible and then really and start going. then we can be something. Yeah. It's mean, the ultimate addition by subtraction move to the point where you're wanting to add the subtraction. Yeah, I mean, just, yeah, exactly that. <laughs> it just, it's... Because that's how this plays out in my in the playground of my mind. It's the world's most depressing playground. Yeah, well, no kids come by. That's good. Uh, no, it. I think this is going to be awful for Dallas. They run the risk of losing Doncic in the same way that Brooklyn now runs the risk of losing Durant. So they now decided they're going to juggle cleavers while trying to disable a bomb. And yet, they're all willing to take this chance because somebody's in their ears telling them, yeah, but he's a really good player. I mean... Which know, he is. Which he is, except only in a vacuum. Does he make the team that he's on better? Certainly didn't in Boston. He surely didn't in Brooklyn. There's every indication that that might end up being true in Dallas as well. You want to hear a damning stat on Kyrie? In three and a half years in Brooklyn, the Nets were 82-61 and 61 with him, which is a 57% winning percentage. And in the 143 games um, without him, they were 77-58, and 58, which is a 57% winning percentage. Yeah, see that, to me, wonderful player, not a difference maker. Isn't that weird? It, is, it does seem weird because... He is extolled as a brilliant player. And yet, I think what he is is a brilliant scorer. But being a scorer alone isn't enough, even in this NBA. Because there are more scorers now than ever. I mean, Oklahoma City, with no discernible players other than Shea Gilgis-Alexander, just dropped 100 and a half. I mean, and, it, and nobody noticed it over the weekend. It was just... Oh, somebody got 150? No big deal. Right. That happens kind of routinely, which is why we need to, I guess, maybe reset the barometer of 120 being a 
catastrophic failure. But I don't know. It also seems to still apply to the Golden State Warriors because well, anytime they allow north of 120, they're usually in that loss column. But 120 is, I mean, that would be the worst defensive, you know, points per game in, in the conference. So it's still, on the, on the aggregate, it's still awful. But on any given night, I mean, there, it's rarely a night when somebody doesn't have 130. I mean, I think a third of the games this year have had at least one team with 120, and sometimes both. Howard Beck was on the morning show today talking about Kevin Durant and whether or not the Nets can expect Kevin to, you know, want to remain in their good graces. Is this about to be KD asking out again? One, I've heard zero indication that they're looking to move Kevin Durant. Two, I think the composition of the trade that they just made with Kyrie Irving yesterday is a clear, clear, clear indication that the Nets want to keep Kevin Durant and keep building around him. Because yeah. if if this were going to be a teardown, then you're trading Kyrie Irving for draft capital as much as you can possibly get right. and or young players. They didn't. They traded for veterans, Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith. And that is an indication to me that you're trying to get guys who would play well with Kevin Durant and that you still want to make a run at, at a minimum this season with Durant and that you're expecting he's going to be back and healthy soon. So, no, if, if, if this were, you know, if the Nets were doing the teardown, they would have made a different kind of trade. It's a pretty good observation from a guy who knows the league and, and that half of the league pretty darn well. And I do think that there is something to that. I think there is too, but it does raise a different question for me, which is, if Dinwiddie and Finney Smith were that key to Brooklyn's chances, why would the Mavericks have been willing to get get rid of them? And why didn't they do better when they had them? Had the two of them. I mean, they basically have turned over their franchise to Luka Doncic in the way that Brooklyn turned its franchise over to Kevin Durant. And in both cases, the result was that they had to make drastic changes to keep them keep them interested. And maybe there's a lesson in that. Well, if you're going to do that, make sure you do it with the player that you drafted rather than traded a whole bunch of assets for. So there's a big difference between the situation that Dallas is in and, you know, Brooklyn's in now with KD. But yeah, I mean, it's the argument if if these guys were, then why not on their last team is a legit argument and question to bring up. Uh, it, it is. Um, maybe the flow of an Eastern Conference game will benefit, you know, a more defensive-minded Dorian Finney-Smith. Dinwiddie, we'll see. I like him as a player. Um, what I do know is that Joe Sy had more picks available to them in a deal with the Lakers. That he passed on. Now, a lot of people are saying, well, it was a spite pass. Like, he just did not want to send Kyrie to the Lakers because they didn't want to give Kyrie what he wanted. Well, there's maybe an element of that. But like Howard Beck just said, they weren't interested in just receiving assets back. They wanted veteran players to compliment Durant, which is a sign that they want to hold on to Durant. And look, they got him under contract for three more years, and he is devoid of leverage. He can throw a hissy fit, but that's all he can throw. Unless this goes badly for the Nets and Joe Tsai just says, let's blow it up. 
I'm tired of all of it. In which case, Kevin Durant is Gets one moved. of the best chips to blow your franchise up with because there would be no fewer than 25 teams knocking at your door with a very good offer. The best offer you'd ever get for a surgically repaired 35-year-old at the beginning of next year anyway. No question, but then you have to find the team with all the draft picks you could possibly want. And frankly, there's only one of those, and that's Oklahoma City, where Durant has already been. So I... Who says he can't go home again, right? <laughs> Wouldn't that be something else? That'd be, well, everything about the NBA tells you that the games are the least interesting part of it. It's the stuff that happens when there isn't a game. Damn regular season games certainly are the least interesting part of it. At least have been to this point for the Warriors. who need to turn it all around tonight on Bruce Lee night. Be like water. And the famous Bruce Lee saying, be like water. They need to flow, right? They need better flow. Better flow. Uh, they be like defense. <laughs> flow in that direction. This is Tom in Mountain View. Tom, you're on 95.7 The Game. Hello. Hey, what's up, guys? Um, I had a quick question. I wanted to ask if you guys had any opinions on... I know we've heard about the Laker trade that the other side turned around, but uh, also some reports coming out now that uh, the Suns offered Chris Paul, Crowder, and Pick. Um, and I wonder how that ties in with the uh, veteran narrative, um, trying to keep veterans around because they have plans of keeping KD and not blowing it up. And uh, did Judd Pye really make the best move, or did he fight Kyrie and come to a place that he knew he didn't want to go to? Uh, if he made it known he was more interested in the Lakers, I don't know. I want to know what you guys think. Well, okay. so here's the thing, Tom, and I'll let Ray speak for himself here, but I had not heard of any proposal from the Suns until you just mentioned it. So I don't know what else was on the table other than the Lakers deal. And I think that Howard Beck just kind of explained it away. They wanted actual players to go along with Durant, not just assets for a promising future with Durant. Although the, the, the Crowder slash Paul deal would have given... Durant, quote, immediate help, whatever that means. I think I think the spite deal was very much part of this. And I also think that the other explanation, Howard Beck's, also makes sense once you take the Lakers off the table. Because I think Chris Paul, at the age and physical shape that he's in, where he's hurt a lot now, makes him problematic for, for a team that wants to make a run with Kevin Durant. Um, I mean, Chris Paul's never equaled add that guy win a title anywhere, so it seems like the wrong time to be getting into the Chris Paul business, shall we say. Well, I mean, he's 38, so it's not like you have a long-term long-term plan here, whereas if the, the Mavericks trade turns out for Brooklyn, then they've got guys they can hold on to for future years, whereas you're always looking at Chris Paul going... Has he got anything left? Well, that's the thing. Not only are you looking at Chris Paul saying, what about that? But then Jay Crowder. Yeah. Find me a more anyone else other than him would do just as a fine replacement for him than Jay Crowder. Yeah. I mean, mean, mean to disrespect the guy, but he is, if he's not playing the Golden State Warriors, he's not hitting threes. You know, I mean, he, he plays well against the Warriors. Jay Crowder everywhere else is just a guy. I, he's more than just a guy, but you know the fact that you know he hasn't played a minute this year, you know because he's still angry about his contract tells you a lot about the run up he'd have to have. Um, I I just think that 
you know, Joe Tsai definitely voted his stock on the Laker deal because A, doesn't want to reward Irving. B, he doesn't want to look bad in case Irving is suddenly rejuvenated with Anthony Davis and LeBron James. And third, he really doesn't want to let Kyrie Irving have his own way. I think there was I think this was very much a spite deal in that way. I think the the Dallas part makes basketball sense to a certain extent for them, but I think he would have taken a terrible deal. That was the only thing on the table other than the Laker deal. Probably he'd have, he'd have done he'd have done Irving for Moody straight up to keep him away from the Lakers. I mean, the Warriors probably should have made that call then, right? Probably should have. <laughs> I mean, I would have said, "What's the least amount you'll take for Kyrie Irving to keep him out of the Lakers' hands?" How about a collection of Warrior uh, reversible beanies and this Andrew Wiggins bobblehead? Yeah, I would. I would. I would offer him smiling each. <laughs> no, I, I. I do believe that both of those things are true. That he wouldn't let him go to the Lakers no matter what, even though at the end of the year. Irving, who will not have a contract then, could go to the Lakers. In which case, all that would be is delayed gratification for him. But you can only control what you can control when you can control it. Speaking of delayed gratification, um, you know, I'm not into reporting on what athletes tweet the way some networks dedicate half of their programs to. Let's read what athletes have tweeted as part of our newscast. I, I could just read them on Twitter. You don't need to really report on these things. But LeBron's Maybe It's Me from over the weekend was, was pretty funny. LeBron, you know, here's the thing. You're a self-pity party. The Maybe It's Me. Drop the maybe. Drop the maybe. Because you, without a doubt are the only reason why you couldn't make a trade for Kyrie Irving yesterday. And that's because in the days before yesterday, you insisted you make a trade for Russell Westbrook. And Russell Westbrook has done more to tie up the Lakers' options than any player you could possibly imagine. And that was a player given to LeBron because LeBron wanted him. So the whole, maybe it's me? Well, it's not you in the way you're thinking about it, LeBron. But it's definitely the culmination of the decisions that you insisted upon before we reached this moment in time. You panicked early. You panicked early and said, Russ is going to be the best option we have. Not thinking, let's see how the year plays itself out and who really might be on the table. And so for the last two years, because you had to have Russell Westbrook, you, you you got nothing. You got fewer options than than the player would ever even provide you. Players make poor general managers as a general rule. Yes, they do. It's just, it's no more complicated than that. When we come on back, we have things that are also uncomplicated. Like, hey, how come there wasn't a very good attendance over at FanFest? Was it because of the rain? Nah, you know, a little bit. Was it because the team... Is well, look at it this way. We could have sent Ray Ratto into the ballpark, he would have been more recognizable than 95% of all San Francisco Giants. So, there's also that, too. When we come on back, we will get into that. More things on the way, more sound. Joe Montana's talking. 
All right, we'll hear from him as well, plus some good life advice from Ocho Cinco, of all people. Stick around. It's Damon and Ratto here on 95.7 The Game. We're brought to you by Fremont Bank. Full-service banking, no compromises. Back to Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. For all of our very best content, head over to YouTube. Search 95.7 The Game. Click subscribe. Boom. Smash that subscribe button, kids. All of our shows live. All the best interviews. All the most interesting segments. Behind the scenes content. Ray, any lingerie uh, from you behind the scenes content? Any peekaboo stuff we need to know about? Uh, no, and definitely no. Well, if there was, I wouldn't let you know about it. It's all on 957 The Game's YouTube page. Oh, kids, subscribe to that. Make your parents happy. Uh, how about this? A little something that is maybe trade deadline related. We got a scratch tonight in Utah, Ray. Jared Vanderbilt has been ruled out of tonight's game, which, you know, could be uh, as underdog NBA reports on it, a little uh, trade deadline-itis. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people have mentioned Vanderbilt as one of those guys who does things that good teams need. So I wouldn't be surprised if uh, somebody's making a run at him. I don't think it's anybody here, but... Well, I can tell you right now, if there's uh, something that Danny Ainge loves, it's future draft picks that he then basically lets rot on the vine. <laughs> That's what he did in Boston. That is what he did in Boston. I think he learned his lesson, though. We'll see. Um, there are some interesting moving pieces around the Utah Jazz. If they ever really wanted to get interesting, you know what? Go ahead and make a trade for Russell Westbrook come off that expiring contract and then see if you can actually sign a single free agent in the history of your franchise. But the, here's the weird thing about the Russell Westbrook deals and particularly the Irving deal. Now, as it turns out, Brooklyn probably wouldn't have done this anyway, but the Lakers refused to come off their offer of one draft choice as part of the Westbrook package. And apparently that was a non-starter as well. And it seems to be the same thing that prevented Phoenix from consummating a deal with Brooklyn because they were offering Paul Crowder and one draft choice when most people thought it would take at least three. So there are old teams in this league that are suddenly valuing their draft choices in ways that they never have before. So, you know, that makes the, that makes the Irving deal that much more interesting because there's still two draft choices that... Brooklyn has now that they didn't have before this. Well, LeBron said on Twitter, you know, maybe it's me when uh, yet another trade was not consummated with the Lakers. Again, maybe a spite moment from the Brooklyn Nets. I don't think there's a maybe about it. I think it is a little bit of a spite moment from the Brooklyn Nets. But LeBron, you know, here's the thing. He wanted Russell Westbrook. That's the guy you wanted. That's the guy you got. And that deal was a two-year killer. It kind of killed last year. It's kind of killed this year. And so it's not maybe you, LeBron. It's definitely you. And the Lakers are, what, still talking to the Utah Jazz about a possible Westbrook deal? It's an expiring contract. You got the Jazz sitting on a ton of picks right now. They're never going to be a cool destination. 
Uh, but they are about to have a lot of flexibility. And if they were to trade for an expiring contract like that, I mean, think about it. You'd basically be, here's what the Utah Jazz would look like. You'd have Sexton, Clarkson, Malik Beasley, and endless options and Danny Ainge sitting on the switch. Kind of interesting. Oh, no, it's an interesting basketball thing. Um, But my sense of whimsy suggests that Utah make an offer on James himself. To say, we got tons of picks. You want them? Give us six. (laughs) Utah and LeBron. A match made in heaven. And then all Mormon, they have, Mormon heaven. And then if they want to sell LeBron on the deal, you just go, you know, one of the picks we still have have your son's name on it. I mean, LeBron probably gets that deal just about anywhere. Maybe, but if Utah's the first ones to commit to it. 36 points ready to pass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Two home games starting with Oklahoma City tomorrow night. And the Thunder are going to be on the second half of a back-to-back. Milwaukee on Thursday. This is as good as wrapped up in these next two games, you would imagine. I would imagine. Yeah, 36 for LeBron. And if he doesn't get 36 combined over his next two games, this circus is going to pull into town on Saturday before the Super Bowl at Chase Center. If he doesn't get 36 in the next two games, he's hurt. So you may not get LeBron. There's what if not. There's what if it's just Russell Westbrook just jacking up shots, taking him away from LeBron? That would probably be the only thing that would make LeBron want to kill him, <laughs> because this has been sort of earmarked from the get. He wants to do this at home, in front of Kareem, in front of everybody. And I don't. And I don't begrudge him that. Where do you think? I mean, he's about to pass Kareem, so you're you're north of 38. Where does he put this? What is going to become the next unbreakable record in sports? Because wherever LeBron puts this point total, it's going to take someone who hits a lot of threes playing about 20 years to even have a shot to break a total like this. I 40, 41, 42... 44,000 points if he really plays another four to five years? I He's not playing until he's 45. I, I, I feel confident in saying that. I mean, he already misses games now. And I think the only thing that's going to keep him in is playing with his kid. And if I'm any team in the NBA, I sign the kid after his first year. And then, here, we got, we got him. Why don't you come play with us? And then after that, you get the bounce you want to get. I just, I think he wants to be a showbiz mogul too. So, I I think his shelf life is probably. I mean, it could be as long as he wants to be, but I think it's probably two years max. I'd say three, maybe four. Three, maybe four. And maybe I mean, you know, I think there is a point though at which you just go, eh, we've done enough. I mean, he's already there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he could walk away with no questions asked about him after the end of this year. But he's got bigger fish to fry, wanting to play with his kid one day. I think he definitely wants to win another title, whether he's going to be the centerpiece of that actually happening or not. Well, you know, only time will tell. He has a better chance in Utah than he does in the Lake with the Lakers. You might be right. You I mean, that, those right. guys, that, that team is awful. And they're not going to stop being awful.
They are run by morons. Well, they're... You're calling LeBron a moron? No, I'm saying Rob Palenka can't save the Lakers from LeBron. Jeannie Buss isn't going to. And they don't really have a brain trust around those two that can serve as a, hey, you really ought to start thinking about X or Y. I think they are they are married to one concept and one concept only. We need three stars, and it doesn't matter what the other nine people are. They went and got Russell Westbrook because, in their minds, he was a star, even though his game has been deteriorating a for a while. fading star. Very much a fading star, but that's been their mindset for going all the way back to when they went and got uh, Will Chamberlain in 1969 to play with Baylor and West. They've always said, we need three stars. We well, need three stars. And over the last decade, other than the one bubble title, it has not worked at all. And when it comes to actual star power left in, what do you call him, Brody? Your, your Russell Westbrook. Uh, here, the star power is basically here. I'm not going to be here. <laughs> yeah, there, there is very little star power remaining in him. Still a name. How about this? Do you think LeBron should pass Kareem with a skyhook? No. Cool. If, it, it, if he could, sure. But I don't think he needs any style points to make it a special moment when it does happen. Yeah, why, why does he want to, why does he want to you know, put it in Kareem's face? I mean, that's not an homage. I mean, just, all he has to do is get the points. Right. Well, I, I don't think it would be a, 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 I'm dunking on you, Kareem, as much as it would be a tribute. It would be it wouldn't be seen as ne- of course you would look at it as a negative. It wouldn't be a negative. Why, why wouldn't it be? I mean, the one shot that he's never taken in his life. Well, that would be what was kind of special about it. Like, I'm going to try to be you in this moment. I'm trying to equal you. I mean, it, 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 there's a story there, Ray. You couldn't get seven inches of copy out of that. That alone, he went to a skyhook for the first time ever to pass Kareem. Come That's on. not a story. That's a sentence. Whatever. It's it's beneath him. Yeah, I mean, it's probably not something he needs to worry about. No. Well, that's why it's beneath him. It would be cool, though. It would be cool. Sure it would be. I think it would be cooler if he drop-kicked it from about 60 feet. Uh, ball out of bounds. You're not allowed to make contact with anything below the, the knee, Ray. So, what do you know? Could be inadvertent. No, you, not if he drop kicked it. That's definitely a vertent. A vertent? <laughs> it's vertent. It's not inadvertent at that point. It's vertent. <laughs> okay. Well, no, I, I don't think he. I don't think he needs to do a skyhook. Well, that one. That he. The homage he should pay is that's the shot I've never taken because it belongs to him and him alone. That's the tribute. Welcome to your five o'clock hour. Vertently. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.